You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Just me and Dan Killick, mano a mano, like the old days, Dan. How are you? Yeah, very good, Jed. Yeah, it's like the old days, isn't it? it Back is. in camp. Yeah, although, yeah, we never, well, we used, to, we used to occasionally do one over the phone, didn't we? All this Zoom stuff, this was just a pipe dream, you know, video calls. It was like something out of Back to the Future. It, I know, yeah, we need to, it'd be nice to do some face-to-faces again, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, we'll definitely well, be a bit do tricky. that. Well, yeah, let's let's try and do that over the uh, over the Six Nations. I reckon that'd be the uh, that'd be the the aim of the game. Get together and watch a game, and yeah, do one of these face to face like the old days. Exactly. Yeah, something to look forward to, mate. Uh, and while we're talking about optimism, um, I had a uh, a tweet come our way on Friday night of uh, uh, someone who uh, was a little bit disgruntled listening to the show and said we were too negative and moaning which isn't normally your bag mate normally you're much more much more upbeat than all of us but I thought why not for a bit of fun um this week we'll try and find a positive in every story that we talk about and god knows there are a few negative ones flying around this week so what do you reckon that's a challenge to me you'll you're all you'll be all right at this but we'll try and find a positive out of something okay I'm, I'm up for this yeah we'll have to We'll have to pull each other up if we're going if we're going going down the rock going down a hole or two. Exactly, but it's been a very busy week. We've obviously there's been the uh, Heineken Cup action over the weekend, which I know you haven't caught a lot of. Uh, I've caught both those uh, both those games. A cracking result for Cardiff as well. While we're being while we're being optimistic, 28 nil. Unbelievable defensive effort. <laughs> Clean sheet as well. Uh, yeah, I mean. Do you know what? Joking aside, you feel like they you feel like they've just deserved a bit of luck, and uh, and yeah, I suppose not perhaps anticipated at the start of the week, but uh, you know, 
good to see a win on the uh, on the scorecard. I really enjoyed the Scarlets uh, the Scarlets Bristol game as well. Actually, I thought for sixty minutes the Scarlets were absolutely excellent, and that's probably the best I've seen them play all year. So uh, we'll have a chat about that. The Ospreys was game. Was it um, oh, there were definitely glimpses, Dan. Like within that hour, I would have said the intensity was right up there. You know, when the when they went on that great European run, the it wasn't just about the back play. You know, there was some really good stuff up front and some really good scramble defence and all that kind of stuff. And I thought there was plenty of that on display. And Reese Patchell was outstanding at ten, like really superb, insanely brilliant passing that I think. Uh, is hopefully enough to get us excited again. So that was that was plenty of positives. The Ospreys game might be a bit more difficult to to find the yeah you know, to find the bits to be optimistic about in there. But nonetheless, we'll cover that. We've got the squad announcement. So Wayne Pivak named his squad on Tuesday. That was uh, as predicted. It was very different to ours, but we'll be getting the reaction to that. What else has happened this week? Uh, Jamie we've... Roberts. Jamie Roberts leaving the Dragons. Yeah, that'll be. Um... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's um, something else we're going to cover. And what's the other big news this week? Oh, big, the crowds are back. Hit. Crowds are back. That's a positive, Dan. That's a massive, massive positive, yeah. Yeah, and we'll have a look back at Richard Hibbard's career as well, who's uh, yeah, a favourite of yours and mine from, oh, yeah. from previous years as well. So look, God, it's going to be like, it's like we're going to be watching an episode of Rainbow this, isn't it? It's going to be that that high energy and positivity so yeah can i be bungle yeah <laughs> you can yeah i uh, i know i i'm sure people would wish i was zippy and i and you could zip my mouth up at certain points but yeah there we go we'll give it a go mate we'll give it a go where do you want to start where do you want to start you want to start with the squad or do you want to do you want to have a we'll have a little chat about europe or yeah you, you choose have, mate i think we should have a chat about europe i think i'm fe- i'm feeling that that's gonna that's gonna take a good bit of uh I think we might struggle a little bit there to get the get the positive. Yeah, well, we have had some questions in as well, which okay. um, which we're going to have a crack at as well. And yeah, trust me, it doesn't feel like too many people are feeling the positives out there at the moment. So that's what we're here for. Dan's doing his best agony aunt impression. Um, right, let's start with then this one from Reese Knott. Does anyone care about the Champions Cup? Um, now that's one you can answer, Dan. Even if you haven't seen this weekend's rugby, <laughs> I can. Yeah, yes, is the answer for me. But it feels like a no because mm-hmm. we just we haven't been in it, have we? Really? Yeah. No, for, for, for years. For, for years, yeah. So it feels like it's a competition that we're not part of, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Really, yeah, it does. It does. And I think how can you how can you then get excited about it? when you know the best will in the world and 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 all the positivity and everything else you 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 know that it's just going to be almost mission impossible to you know to really get anywhere mm. um so yeah it feels like it's a competition for others not us well what i would say to that is that here's the positive slant on it the the problem i've had with the the champions cup for I don't know the last six seven years pretty much since they rebranded it and I don't know why this was different from that point onwards but I just felt there were so many dead rubbers all too often you'd lose your first game and that would kind of be it you think do you know what it's not worth us carrying on in Europe now and 
as a result, you ended up with lots of kind of meaningless rugby. And obviously we get enough of that in the URC anyway. But what I do feel with this kind of like trimmed down version of it is that um, there's a lot more and there's just a lot more opportunity to qualify, isn't there? The mini pools thing, I think, is, a, you know, is perhaps a little a little confusing. Um, but I suppose if you're used to conference style stuff like they, they have in the NFL and all that stuff, which is where Murph is tonight, by the way. Uh, drinking, having a well-earned break, watching the uh, the NFL playoffs um, in America. <laughs> not in America, <laughs> in a pub in Canton somewhere, I imagine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I think the fact that it's like it's just a, the the pool stage is a bit less flabby, so it means that they're you know going into this weekend. All right, admittedly, a number of those sides had gone had gone through, but you know if Cardiff had taken their chance last week against Harlequins, which can't be blamed on COVID or anything. Um, then you know they could have been, they could have been in the running. Yes, a big slice of fortune this week with the game being postponed, but even just to go into the last weekend with with something to play for, and that's when they had two games that were virtually a write off because of all the all the absentees before Christmas. So, I, that, there's the there's the bit that I think is is encouraging is that this kind of slimmed down version has actually helped the the competition quite a bit so I think if one of our sides had snuck into the next round we'd have had a different spin on it so I think you know I would I definitely say I care about the Champions Cup more than the more than the UFC and but, the games we, we we touched on it last week didn't we that the games are are, are, are sort of significant they're, yeah, they're, they feel of some sort of significance because you know yeah like Carl, Cardiff Harlequins games like mm-hmm. that we get it we get excited, don't we? There's they're games that we want to watch. So yeah, it is it is I think we're unanimous on that, aren't we? Yeah, it is hundred percent. And even even this weekend, Scarlet's you know, Scarlet's Bristol, it was brilliant that they were they were able to, to have visiting fans and stuff like that too. Because again, ordinarily outside of COVID times, that would be one of the fixtures that you'd look at and you'd think and for the return, you know, for the for the other leg as well, if that had happened. You'd have been looking at it on the list and thinking, you know, Scarlet's fans be making the trip down the M4 and and vice versa. Any of those games hold some, you know, hold some real, um, yeah, just that, that that bit more rivalry that I think we, you know, we all we all enjoy. So I don't know the, the Heineken Cup. The Heineken Cup for me, I think, is I, I definitely care about it a lot more than I do the um, the UFC. Yeah, it's a good that's a good point you touched on there as well with the fans. You know, fans. Are, are a huge part of the sport, aren't they? We've heard it. We've heard it lots over the last couple of weeks. The rugby from from the professional players, haven't we? From the Welsh guys saying that rugby isn't is nothing without the fans. And yeah, again, and, go, go back yeah. to that Cardiff game last week. Do you end up with a different result with uh, you know with a with a home partisan Cardiff crowd in against Harlequins? I don't know. You, you know, imagine maybe but, that would have added yeah. to the pressure, but it would have been a better occasion for sure. Oh, it would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? Deserved the crowd for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I think that that's uh, that's that one answered. But thank you for that, Reese. This one is from uh, Lewis Eldred. Uh, are we happy with the progression that Johan Lloyd is making at Bristol? Are we likely to see him uh, in a Wales shirt this summer or autumn? Yeah, for me, I think he's he's had a really really good season. And... You're a big fan, aren't you? I am a big fan. Yeah, I think his skill set's unbelievable. I mean, any any player that can play outside half or has played outside half, centre, wing, and fullback for Bristol in that league, they're special, aren't they? It, and it's 
you know, it's a case of now where does he, where does he actually settle and play? Where do they want to play him? Um, you know, could it be centre? Could that be, you know, could that be a position? It's certainly a position that we could, we could do with in Wales. And um, he's just got all the skills, hasn't he? And I know Pivak mentioned to Pat Lamb about his defence, for, for him to work on that. Looks as if he's worked on it. I still say he's got some, you know, a little bit of a way to go, but he's definitely stronger there than he was. And he's had a he's had a fantastic season for me. And yeah, I think it's a matter of time before we see him in the squad. Yeah, he gave a pretty good audition playing at inside centre on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, obviously it <laughs> it helps having Randrandra outside you, as we've as we said a number of times. And you know, generally playing behind that pack, but. I think all, all the skills are there. That's the bit that I think we can we can get excited about. Is you know we, he's got a, he's got a really good kicking game. He's got great acceleration. Plays what's in front of him. Loves to look for a gap. Whether or not he's big enough to play international centre, I don't I don't know. I'm not opposed to you know uh, to trying these things. And like you say, it's it's definitely a, a trouble position for us. But I think I think we'll definitely see him. What where are we in the summer? Have we got a tour lined up? I'm off the I'm off the ball at the moment, aren't I? All right. Well, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll lift this, that up. My but, head's in the shed. <laughs> but yeah, well, um, you know, undoubtedly, I think we're going to see more of him, and I can't yeah. imagine he's too far down the pecking order. I, the thing is, with 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 talent like that, again, as we've said before, the rules as they are, at some point, if he's in and around the Wales squad, he's going to have a tough decision to make. Well, a decision to make about whether he comes back. Or he applies his trade in England, and you know, realistically, I think we're going to see Callum Sheedy come back to Wales next year when his contract's up, because he's going to want to carry on playing for Wales. You know, like we were saying about about Rhys Patchell and, and various others. We were talking about we were talking about Jonah Holmes last week. How if he's not featuring for Wales when his contract's up at the Dragons, is he realistically going to stick around, or is he going to head off and? Um, head off and look to, to play elsewhere you know I'm sure I'm sure if he got the offer to go back to Leicester or something like that he'd have to think very hard about it well I think um, he would head you, you, he'd head off now wouldn't he surely you would I think if you're playing as good as you possibly could do and you're still and, you, and you're still not on the side well it's probably time to time to head away isn't it well yeah it's, it's really really difficult and you know I think he's been I think he's been absolutely superb as you know but and I, yeah, I, can't, I, I can't understand why he's not featured more for Wales in, in recent times. But yeah, yeah, I think you would. But to go back to Johan Lloyd, when you when you start mulling it over, if he's got a few more caps under his belt and is regularly featuring, I think even just in the squad, he's gonna want to he's gonna want to pursue that, you know. And uh, I think that he's yeah he's he's a super bright talent. Obviously, he's got a, he's got a kid brother as well who. Everyone speaks incredibly, uh, incredibly highly yeah. of too. So, I think um, you know that's. Uh, I'm definitely. I, I, I think we're happy with with how he's progressing. I don't follow. You know, I don't follow the uh, the English Prem as much as um, as much as others. But I have seen more of it this year, and he's he's definitely a player who will always feature in the in the highlights of a game, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I think there's there's so much raw talent to work with, and he's still he's still a young guy that. Yeah, I think he's, you know, for me, I'd, I'd have him in and around the squad um, going forward anyway. I think that there's a there's a slight risk that with him being able to play 
you know, outside half centre, full back wing, that he, he might get caught between not knowing him, you know, not knowing himself where his best position is, but it's not necessarily his fault, if that makes sense. Equally, though, on the plus side for him, it could be that he is in a lot of squads moving forward because on the bench, to have that versatility, I mean, it's like, I can't think of many players that can cover that many positions. I mean, it's a, we've mentioned every position, bar, bar scrum off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's quite, it's quite rare, isn't it? It's quite unique. Sub question, Dan: Do you have a favourite utility player of all time? Of all time, I've, I've beat. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big James Hook fan. I think, that I, was, I think that was Hookie's undoing. Is I felt he was owed a, a run at ten because ten was his ten or centre was his best position. He was never a fullback, and yeah. I feel like, yeah, uh, uh, after the 2011 World Cup, I felt like he was owed a bit of a run at, at 10 and it never, and unfortunately it never happened and he just became then the kind of the utility back cover. But yeah, uh, he's, he's certainly he's certainly in the mix for me. Yeah, yeah, you're a big, big James Hook fan, aren't you? And yeah, he's, he's, he's got to be up there for me. I'm, I know I'm missing someone though. I tell you, I tell you who deserves a mention for how good he was, if not how annoying he was to watch play against, and annoying as a pundit. I don't think you can ignore Austin Healy. Really, you know, yeah. was was good enough in that in the professional era to play nine, ten. I think, he, yeah, he played centre for England at a certain point as well, and obviously played on the wing too. I mean, he as much as he was a, you know, a gobshite, he was an insanely gifted player. And uh, yeah, had had absolutely everything. So, if you um, one of those players, I hated watching when he was playing for England or Leicester. And then when it came around to Lions time, you're like, I'm just glad that this guy's in the squad. You know, one of those players that you get to enjoy <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good shout. There's a couple of Wallabies that I'm. The Matt Gitto is definitely worth a shout. Y- yes, yeah, Matt Gitto is worth a shout. Yeah. Um... There's a, there's a couple of the Australians. I reckon you could you could probably rattle off like maybe five or ten, but I haven't. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had uh, I haven't had enough sleep to uh, to go through it. But the Aussies, yeah, they 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 tend to move around. Then they ten, twelve, wing, you know. Yeah. Fullback. Definitely. Uh, J- James uh, James O'Connor's done it a lot, hasn't he? He's done he's done ten centre, fullback, and wing. Wing. Yeah. Um, do you remember uh, Pat Howard back in the day? Yes, I do. Yeah, Leicester played, played for Leicester. Yeah, he. I think yeah. he. I think he did uh, ten centre full back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's. I think those Australian ball skills um, mean you, you. You do kind of move around a little bit, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's quite. It's a. It's a nice question, actually. It's got me. It's got me thinking, and like, but I. But I can't answer it. <laughs> well, there we go. But they're going to pop into my head in about an hour's time. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, let's let's do this one before we take a break. It's a big one, mate. It's a big one, and it's going to be hard to uh, to not go down the negative route. Is time up for the regions? That one's from Jason Williams. Oh, oh God! Who was that from? Jason Williams. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> well, there's only there's only one answer, isn't it, on the positivity side? No. <laughs> um. Okay, it's very difficult for the regions, isn't it? At the you know at 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 the moment we're in a we're in a difficult, very difficult place. But (sighs) 
how can I put a spin on this? I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to throw a pass to you. I think in a minute. Well, I, I tell you what, mate. I think realistically, what's the alternative? We can't go back to clubs. I mean, can you, you know, you imagine how bad that would be when you know when we can't put together four competitive, four competitive pro sides. We're not going to get ten together, are we? So clubs is out of the out of the equation. As much as we would love it, you know, as much as it would be brilliant, you know, that would that would uh, we'd have no hope. In, we'd have no hope in Europe, and mm. we'd have you know we'd have a, a drastically weakened national side. So cl- clubs, I'm afraid, is out the window. It's only viable option, isn't it? But how can we get more positivity into it? So yeah, so the only viable option is that you look to reduce the number of regions, and you have, you know, you have I don't know, east and west, or um, you you drop the dragons or whatever it is. But if I'm honest, I don't see what that helps. It gets um, less so, less play. It gets less exposure though of players, doesn't it? Well, I think so. Again, you know, you look at the dragons who've been the, the whipping boys for a decade. And you still look at the talent that's come through during that time. Yeah. You know, there's a number of the boys in the in the national side now. There's um, you know the likes of Lydia and Falatau who've you know who've who've come through as youngsters at Dragons to to go on and you know win Lions uh, Lions caps and you know achieve all you know people who will be considered as as Wales greats. So. I don't think that I don't think that actually shutting down regions is, is going to help anything. What I would say is that we need to find a a financial model that's actually going to f- help them. You know, I, I don't I don't think that really we can just sit here and you can't just sit here and, and blame the regions and say, oh well, they're no good. Let's let's shut them down. I think it, it we're, we're twenty years down the line, and I know it caused a lot of heartache first time round when they were when they were created, and they certainly weren't perfect, and it was a complete botched job then. But we're kind of we are where we are. I think they're the teams that you've got. They are still producing quality young talent, and the talent comes through that that academy, um, those academies. So I think it, it's a question of um, of properly resourcing them. But where that money comes from, um, you know, at a time when the uh, you know the the coffers have supposedly been emptied is is quite difficult. Um, so yeah, I, I think. I think also it like coming back to a point which on a previous podcast that um you know, yourself, Justin and Murph and Murph were talking about, but particularly um Justin about the the marketing of the games and making each game into into something, having a story to pick up on, to get fans, you know, to get us all excited about the games, which and then the players in turn and coaches and everyone involved everyone around it is is a really good point because it won't solve it won't solve everything um, because they it, it's deeper than that. But it's it's really important, isn't it? Because without the fans, there isn't there isn't a there isn't a pro. You know, there's no, nothing really can happen. And so I think that that it's, it just is such an important point. I think well when we get when we get you know when we get a narrative and it's really worked hard on, you can get behind it, can you? You need you need some sort of emotion. Um, yeah. and that's what that's what we're missing isn't it with the you know the old club the clubs of old there was emotion behind it and so we have to work really really hard to get to get emotion out of out of these games which is not going to be easy like you know like we're trying to pull on positives here it's not easy um the marketing guys have got to have got to work a lot harder i'd say on that 
And the thing Which is, would... I, I think the if you look at the the English clubs, they would see the value in a game against in a game against the Welsh side. You know, I think the when I mean Harlequins don't have to worry about selling out their grounds; they sell out every week anyway. But there, you know, I don't know when it comes to like selling hospitality or the other the other bits and pieces that go into making up how a club makes money. A fixture with Cardiff is always going to be is always going to be a big draw. Okay, mm. yeah, if it was the Dragons, less so. Um, if it was the Scarlets, that would be a big draw. Uh, and when the Ospreys were successful, I think there were you know they they were to a certain degree a draw for you know I don't know against a a Gloucester or a Saracens or whatever. So I think other people you know would would recognise the value in it. The main problem for me is that the regions are underfunded and we're playing in a league that isn't gonna that isn't gonna help that. So, you know, it's either an injection of private cash, which is a very risky, um, risky thing to do, um, because where are you going to see the returns? But at some stage, club rugby is going to be shaken up because it, it doesn't like commercially, it doesn't make enough money, and you know, even the even the English clubs who've got a really good league, you know, a league that we envy, um, mm. but they don't make they don't make much profit. And no. you know that, and that financial model is going to change. So I think players will end up getting paid less. Salary caps might might well be um, reduced and enforced, and including our league that we're in. And something, you know, I've said this a million times before, but CVC will do something that will shake the sport up because they've been in it for three years now, and it's not really changed at club level. So whether it's a a world club league cup thing, you know, that that sits in, that, that replaces the Heineken Cup. Or something like that, or it's a you know a week to week world league, which I wouldn't be particularly excited by. But they have enough fingers in the pies to shake up world rugby completely. So I don't know. Um, I I think at some point, and again to them, I, I don't see necessarily what the the advantage of of having a load of you know a load of dud leagues and a load of dud sides in there. I think there's got to be an opportunity for sides to uh, for sides to make to make some money and better themselves and to distribute that cash a bit a bit more evenly. To go back to that point about the NFL, right? The NFL is, um, I've, I've never showed any interest in the sport, but commercially it's fascinating because you have the draft system that means that the worst side gets the best dibs on the, the best young talent. Uh, commercially, it's, it's all divvied up equally. So you get the opportunity to earn money, even if you're a, a minnow. And it just means that, yeah, okay, you know, there, there will be sides who are, um, consistently better than others, but it doesn't. It doesn't constantly widen that gap, which you see in soccer. You know, realistically, Man City, mm-hmm. as I said last week, Man City, Chelsea, uh, a few others. They're the sides who can win the European Cup, and that's it. You're never going to see Benfica or Celtic or Malmo or any of these sides who formerly, you know, were, were brilliant domestically and went on and achieved good things. Nottingham Forest achieved good things at. Um, at international level, you're not going to see that, and I think that's to football's detriment. Rugby is nowhere near popular enough to have one side completely dominate, or a couple of a handful of sides completely dominate it. So I don't know. I think it's in the interest of everything that there is the opportunity for sides to to get better um, without it just coming down to who's got the biggest checkbook. Yeah, and that's gonna it's going to go more against that against that model isn't it moving forward because as you said yeah the english the english um setup is is a fantastic product isn't it but financially that's not viable 
at all. They're no, hanging. Well, on. it hadn't been for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, they're hanging on, aren't they, by the skin of their teeth, really? Yeah. But, but, um, you won all, you know, one, arguably two clubs. That's it. Yeah, you know, they, there's not much, there's not much profit knocking around, uh, knocking around those clubs. So it's um, there's the positive. Then. Well, it's going to, it's going to get. It's going to get a little easier for the Welsh clubs. <laughs> the positive, I think, is that there will be there will be some degree of reform, and um, either there'll be I don't know a cash injection from the union when when they get themselves together, but I'm I'm not holding my breath on that one. Or there will be a degree of of revolution within the club game, which will um, mean that the the sides get better, get better investment and an opportunity to earn more money. Do you think the clubs themselves, though, Jed, outside of that, can do can do more through marketing? I know it's your, I know it's your, you know, it's yeah. your side. Of- yeah, um, I mean, it's not even so much just the marketing for me. I think that you've got to think, you've got to think very, very differently because if it was just a question of, um, right, you know, the the side with the biggest budget always wins, which, as I'm saying, happens an awful lot. But you do see those those things like the Scarlets winning the league, like uh, the, the the cup run that they went on after that. The those kind of things where by doing things differently and what the Scarlets did really well, that wasn't necessarily down to, to marketing and getting people through the door. That was down to I think recruiting really really well. We've said it before, you know, people like Ty Byrne, who'd been cast off by Leinster, came in and was a world beater and is a you know is a, is a test line a couple of years later. So I think that that kind of recruitment, um, you know, thinking and scouting a long way away from um, than just perhaps looking at the regions down the road to you and thinking, right, here's a few players. Um, I yeah, think things like that are put, hugely important. But you do have, yeah, definitely those sorts of things. But you do have to put the product in front of in front of people as well, don't you? Like I, I don't know how much that is done. I, I'm still, I still find it quite staggering how. You know, a, a game, a game in, say, you know, Cardiff on a on a Friday evening or Saturday in in in, in the capital isn't, you know, isn't nearly full. Just e- even with some of the games that aren't that popular, with the sheer numbers of people that are there, and I know there's lots of different things you can do now, but I still find it amazing how few people are there. Yeah, but then it's different, isn't it? So if that game is against Bath or Bristol. Or Saracens on a Friday night. I think it's packed yeah. out because that kind of that yeah. means something to people. If it's Connacht, yeah. like I mean, look, we've been playing Connacht, and no disrespect to them, they're a great side, and actually an example of one of those teams who have punched well above their weight by doing things differently. But there's there's no rivalry between Cardiff and Connacht or Dragons and Connacht. There just isn't because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really mean anything, and you know there's not been an opportunity to. Um, as we said, away fans in this league don't, you know, don't. There's not. They don't travel in great numbers, so it's not like you get places absolutely rocking with away fans either. So, yeah, it comes know. back without emotion. There's no pull, isn't it? So exactly, emotion and the and the the strength of the product itself. And you know, look, if Cardiff were top of the league and had a chance to win it, I, I think you would be selling those games out against Connor because people want to be a part of something. Um, but. Um, yeah, it's very very difficult to uh, to drum up the excitement for um, for games when there's there's not a lot there's not a lot riding on it. So it, it, to me, it always just comes back to that thing about meaningful rugby. You know, if if the, the fixture means something to someone, either through a rivalry or there is something on the line in terms of winning something, 
or having a good chance at winning something, then you know, then I think people will turn up. But yeah, I don't know, mate. This um, this is without doubt the hardest one to put the positive spin on. But I just don't think it can stay this this way forever. And there's no option. So I don't think I don't think it's uh, game up for the regions. And on that yeah. one, we're gonna we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a quick Honestly. break, mate. Yeah, you can get yourself a, get yourself a cup of so coffee to keep you up, mate. And uh, I will. De- Delve into the selection blazer, pick out a Rothmans, and we'll get cracking again in the second <laughs> half. Into the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Um, very nice, Daniel. For the uh, for the benefit of our listeners, yeah, enjoying a um, enjoying cool. a quick puff of uh, <laughs> the cool, refreshing taste of a Rothmans. Um, we uh, we had our our chance at playing selectors last week. Wayne Pivak named his side this week. Oh, sorry, his squad rather this week for the uh, for the Six Nations. Um, what was uh, what was your kind of your initial um, your initial thoughts? Or do you want me to to recap the the squad quickly before we get underway? Yeah, quick recap then. Okay. Um, obviously, I thought I'd clicked on the right uh, the uh, the right page of uh, of BBC Wales, but I didn't. Here we go. Right. Let us have a look at this squad. So um, up front, Reese Carey, Wynne Jones, Gareth Thomas, uh, Hookers, Ryan Elias, Derry Lake, Bradley Roberts, Leon Brown, Tom Francis, Dylan Lewis uh, completes the front row. Adam Beard, Ben Carter, Seb Davis, Will Rowlands, Chris Chunza in second row. And then back rowers, Tane Basham, Ellis Jenkins, Jack Morgan, Ross Moriarty, James Ratty, Aaron Wainwright. And in the backs, Gareth Davis, Kieran Hardy, Thomas Williams, Scrum Halves. Uh, Gareth Anscombe, Dan Bigger, Reese Priestland, Callum Sheedy, four fly halves named. Jonathan Davis, Willis Halaholo, Nick Tompkins, Owen Watkin in the centre. And then the back three, Josh Adams, Alex Cuthbert, Alex Cuthbert Lewis Reesite, Johnny McNichol and Liam Williams. First thoughts then? First thoughts, we we were off on, on quite a few, weren't we? Well, as we said... Which we knew. It's, it's us choosing our side. So yeah. if, if I had a pound for every correct answer, I wouldn't have made suggestions like Reese Webb at nine because that yeah. simply wasn't going to happen. But still a, a fair few surprises in there for me. Yeah, there are a fair few su- few surprises, aren't there? I mean, you know, Ratty mm-hmm. in, in, in the squad. But when you when you think about it, it kind of does make sense, doesn't it? Um, really, you know, six foot four, 18, he's 18 and, half, 18 and a half stone. I think he's a big lump, isn't he? And we, we're small in the... We touched on it lots last week that we're mm. small in the back row. And... Oh, yeah. You know him, your know, second row back. You know second row flanker number eight. He, um, I can see why I can see why he was selected. Really, can you see that? I can. I mean, again, obviously, I don't. I don't even know that we mentioned him. Actually, did we? But you're right. We are. No. We are small in the back row. Yeah, and he's. You know, he's got a good few, a, um, a good few inches on someone like Morgan Morris, who I suppose would have been the alternative. So yeah, out op- well, uh-huh. and a, and a line out option as well. Yes, yeah, which of course someone like Morris probably isn't, but it's um, 
I still think that he's, you know, it's a brilliant story to to go to the the uh, um, putting the you know putting the, the positive spin on stuff. It's it's a great story that someone who's you know been let go, gone and played club rugby, and um, and has then ended up in the national side after a change in position. It's, you know, it's it's definitely encouraging. And obviously, it's happened. It's happened before. You know, you look at the Josh Adamses and Corey Hills who were let go by regions and have gone on to star for the national side. So that's that's definitely a positive. I would say that. Um, it's a big, big step up. You know, he's put some solid performances in for Cardiff, but then you know, it is a it is a big step up at, at Test level. Um, but there's just you're right. There's there's so many there's so many injuries that whether it was him or whether it was whether it was Morgan Morris, then you know, it's not like there's a ready-made worldy set to go. You know, like when Toby broke into the side, you knew that this guy was going to be great at some point when he was unleashed in the national side. He was going to be he was going to be a real prospect, and so it proved. Um, I don't think necessarily either of those are in in that bracket right now. What you're hoping for is they're gonna they're gonna make the make those improvements and and carry on getting better and better and better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I agree with you. Though nice nice story, and he's um, he has been playing some. He's been playing really tight, you know, tight hard rugby, isn't he? For mm. you know, for a couple of seasons. So yeah. All the best to him, really. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, I think that was that was definitely one of the surprises in there. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the reasoning is behind picking four fly halves. What do you make of that? Are we are we concerned about the fitness of um... of who? A- Anskim, you would imagine, would be the fitness Ans- concern. Yeah, An- Anskim's got to be a got to be a, a concern, isn't he? So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I didn't think we would. We would have gone for four. I no, honest... I, I don't see why we've gone for four here. To be honest, are we thinking we can move anyone around potentially? Well, in theory, Anscombe and Priestland can play fullback. But yeah, it's been a very long time since either of them did that at international level, and so I can't think. And you've got McNichol and Liam Williams in the side anyway, so I don't think that you know Ann Adams could cover fifteen if needs be. So I can't really think that that's much that that plays into the into the rationale. Do you think? I think, think it must do. I don't. I think it's just that he's not sure. Yeah, obviously, bigger is his captain, so he's his first choice ten. That which is which is perhaps what makes it even more puzzling. But after that, I think he thinks. Well, doesn't he? Huh? Yeah. yeah. You know, well, he's obviously captain, so. But it does make me think that he's he feels he needs a footballing, more of a running ten option, and he's not sure out of these which which ones it is. Yeah, I just wonder whether we might see. You know, we might see a couple. I think he's going to want to try and get get. Um, He's a big fan of pre- he's a big fan of Priest, isn't he? Well, I mean, is he? I mean, presumably he is because he's he's picked him in here. But I thought he let him go at the Scarlets, so I can't imagine that. that you know, there's a huge amount of love lost there. I'm I'm fairly certain he was head coach when when Priestland left. Uh, I think, not that I'm saying that's the determining factor, but yeah, but it's not it's not like he's had him as his star ten. The whole time at Scarlets, and then gone right. I need this guy in. Um, but in in this in the current the current sort of now within back in the Welsh squad, this current this current setter, 
and with the players around that he's he's obviously feeling he needs him there, doesn't he? There's obviously something reassuring about about having Priestland there, which is quite interesting, really, isn't it? Because he's obviously not fully comfortable with you know with the tens, I would say. Yeah, yeah and, that, well, that's part of it. Yeah, and yeah, I I think that. The fact that they can they can slot in, or he can slot in at fifteen, and and ultimately really control a game is um, is obviously key to you know key to um, pivot. But I, I is it, if we if we have if we have uh, bigger and then say Priestland on the bench, mm. we're on, we're going for we've almost got that controlling element throughout then, haven't we? Whereas. Is Anscom, you know, Anscom's a Anscom's a playmaker, isn't he? You you know, genuinely make things happen. I wonder if they're just gonna get him into the squad, see how he, you know, see how he fares up, see how, see how he holds himself for, for for a bit, and if he can, if he can sort of, I think I think Anscom's gonna have to work his way in as opposed to him being number two personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm none the wiser as to who number two is at the moment. Um, it can't be Anscom, surely. Probably not. Um, I mean, if Anscombe is in there as, as second choice, it's probably based on, you know, well, I think it's probably based on his his pedigree at international level in the past, right? We know yeah. he is a player who, because he, he did that role superbly during the, the Grand Slam of 2019. Oh, and definitely. Done, and, and would have done it at the World Cup if he hadn't got injured. Um, yeah. But that was a long time ago now. That's three seasons on. So... Um, I mean, if if you didn't fancy him, though, you'd probably be inclined to, well, I'd probably be inclined to say, just keep playing rugby, because the Ospreys will undoubtedly have a couple of games to play during the Six Nations. Um, and there are other options there. I mean, look, the, he obviously blatantly just doesn't fancy Jared at all, as I think we knew. Um, because, again, he put in a massive, I thought he put in a massive performance against Quinns. And he is the complete jack in the box, you know, very, very different. And again, I'm not suggesting that he's completely, um, completely ready to be starting test matches for Wales at number ten. But he's certainly someone who's got all the, you know, all, all the raw assets to to be a real player. But Pivak just doesn't fancy him, does he? No, he no, he doesn't. He doesn't fancy him, and we we like him, don't we? Because of his, he's just such a threat, isn't he? Classic. Sort of, I suppose classic old school Welsh ten. Then, mm. um, and he's exciting, isn't he? When he gets the ball, he makes things happen. His kicking isn't brilliant, but he can do stuff that others others can't do. And you know, when you look at, I thought there was a, I honestly thought there was a a place for him in this squad. When you look at Thomas Williams at, at nine, um, you know Halaholo in the centre. You know Josh Adams on the Josh Adams on the wing and the 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 back row as well, and 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 some of the second row potentially being heavily, you know, heavily Cardiff as well. It would have been nice, wouldn't it, to have to have seen him there really, and with all the injuries we've got, why not? Well, yeah, well that's what I think. I think it's probably it might be a little bit damaging morale wise if they're picking four fly halves and you're not one of them. Um, yeah, you know, Priestland I think is the is the puzzling one for me because. Um, what is he 35 now you wouldn't expect him to necessarily make the next World Cup and 
So I don't know, that's the decision. I think if you're naming four, I would have thought that maybe Jared might get a sniff as one of them, but but clearly not. Uh, right, let's look at these. Let's look for some positives though, right? Because I think there are some. I'm going to start with a couple for you, Dan. Um, the form of Johnny McNichol, I think, is is encouraging. He showed, again, what a, what a threat he is with ball in hand uh, against uh, Bristol. I also thought John Fox had the best game I've seen him have for for a while, both defensively and um, you know and uh, and attacking wise. So there's a couple of things that I think are um, are quite exciting. Are there any players in that squad that that you're uh, that you're very very excited to see in a Wales jersey this uh, uh, this February? Thomas Williams being one of them. I know you're a big fan of him. Um, Murph as well. I think we need to see more from him at the at in, at international. I want to see him have. I, w- I want to see him really control a game at um, at the top flight. Mm. We know what he can do in terms of his breaks and how electric he is, but I'm really looking forward to him hopefully keeping that shirt, you know, and getting a run, um, as are probably, you know, all of us involved in Wales because the nine's been such a tricky position for us, hasn't it? Um, you know, I know we've had injuries, but we've had a loss of form. So that's 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 a big one, you know, a big one for me. I am looking forward to seeing Owen Watkin as well. Mm. I think that he's been quite hard done by, really. I don't know whether he'll get, you know, how much of a chance he'll get during this, you know, during this campaign. But I think he's got he's got all the all the sort of raw skills really to, you know, to make a, a big difference for us. And he's someone that can can carry, you know, directly as well. He's a big lump, isn't he? And I think if we, even if we sort of simplified his game, it, he could be a real, uh, a real asset to us in this, um, in this Six Nations. So, um, you know, he's, that's got someone... a, he's got to have a sniff of a bench spot, hasn't he? Really, if we're saying that, you know, obviously there's yeah. only four centres in the squad, two of them will be starting, and and then after that, so let's let's say it's Halaholo and and John Fox starting. Then you've got a straight shootout really between him and Tompkins as to as to who gets on the bench, and you know I, I think that he's got you know he's, he's been in decent enough form, albeit in a side that's that's been struggling, um, and you know and he's, he's he has got a lot of international caps for a guy his age. You know, he again, is, yeah, he's, he's very experienced, isn't he? He's played in mm. when you look at the games he's played in, they, they, he's played some big big games, some big games, and for me, I don't think he's played poorly. Others would probably disagree, but I think maybe there was others around him that didn't play particularly great, which ended up pulling him out of position and bloody bloody blah. But yeah, he's one. He's one for me. Um, a guy that I can't wait to see in the Welsh shirt is Jack Morgan. Mm. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because again, we've got um, you know we, you were talking about being kind of light in the back row. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of mobility in there, isn't there? So obviously Basham and, and Jenkins are open sides by trade, as is Jack Morgan. Aaron Wainwright is a, and you know he's a is an athletic eight rather than being a, you know a, a big, ruddy great lump. So there's there's lots of mobility in there. Um, do you think do you think he's a, he's got a, a realistic chance of getting of getting into the lineup done? Yeah, I do. I do think he he's got a realistic chance. He, uh, I don't think I've seen him play a bad game really. I genuinely don't think I've seen him have a bad game, and. I think he'll he'll love being in that camp. He's he's powerful, isn't he? He's got a great like 
he's got a, just got a, got a great all round game, and I, I I think if he has a half a chance, he will he'll, he'll take it, and it'll be another back another headache. Then we'll have in the back row. Um, but I mean, we've got loads of quality, haven't we, in that back row? We know that. <laughs> when you look at the, the amount of players that are out as well. But oh, yeah. yeah, he's someone I can't wait to see. I'm sure you're keen keen on him as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan, mate. I'm a big fan. And uh yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, part of me just thinks that if we've not got the uh if we've not got the bulk in the back row, then let's try and do something completely different and just go for an ultra mobile back row and just try and, you know, be complete menaces at at the breakdown and, and lots of pace, you know some of those players even cause damage in the wide channels as well. So, um, yeah, he's an exciting one for sure. I think he's got, again, all the assets are there for him to be a class a class act at the international level. So, yeah, I I would like to see him at some point during the uh, during the Six Nations. I think he's, yeah, I think he's got a, a, a decent shout of featuring at some point. And it's a bit, you know, it's a big step because he wasn't included in that autumn, uh, that autumn squad and, Pivak said that you know he didn't kind of fit his style of play. So whether or not he's gone away and worked on that, or Pivak's just started seeing things slightly differently, I don't know. But nonetheless, great opportunity for him, and I think he is a really big talent. And again, here's here's one for you, Dan. The the main positive that I saw in the Ospreys game, and um, in fact, possibly the only uh, positive that, that I saw within that um, that game is I thought there there were a couple of really good performances from some of the youngsters. So. Uh, Lake Lake struggled a bit when it came to when it came to throwing in, which is going to be a concern for the Six Nations with he has Amanda done, Elias having previous. He has done previously as well, hasn't he? He has, and um, you know, there's a lot of time for for that to for that to kind of improve. But um, yeah, while we're talking about positives, Harry Deeves in the back row looks like another um, another quality open side. Um, Absolutely, yeah, it was really really. Um, busy throughout the throughout the whole afternoon, and um, yeah, I think he's I think he's definitely going to be one to watch. Obviously, a few eye catching performances under twenty level, but for his, I think this is his senior debut actually. So, to be fair, yeah. to go to go and put in a big shift in a, a really tough, horrible game um, where you've got huge chunks of the first side not featuring, I think um, yeah, it's potentially quite encouraging as well. Ex Ponticleen Ponticleen players are just at the rivals of Cowbridge, just at the road is that West. right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be, uh, yeah, they'll be loving and cheering him on. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he's, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely going to be one to watch for sure. Um, yeah, just a, we could use with, uh, I don't know. It just it's so, it's so weird, isn't it? Like with back row at the moment. At some point in time, Dan, we're going to cover the uh, the slammed documentary that that you and I both enjoyed so much. Uh, probably not going to be in this episode, but. Just looking back at that, it's so funny to think like how you know I had to drag Martin Williams out of retirement to to have a you know an international quality seven, and you look now at the uh, the the, <laughs> the sheer numbers that we've produced in the time since he's uh, since he's retired. It's it's absolutely mad, isn't it? It is, yeah, and that's a that's a massive positive for us, isn't it? That we've got you look at this squad now. There's so many players that are out yet. You know, we've picked a squad that we liked and wanted the week before, knowing that there would, there would be a lot of Pivac would pick something very different. And I reckon, you know, in years gone by, you go back, you know, you go back ten years and and beyond that, we you'd literally be scrabbling around for, yeah, like you alluded to there, someone in the someone in the back row to 
who who could potentially step up and play internationally, or you know, there would there'd be nobody on the wing centres that we'd have we'd have zero options and almost all over the park. And now we've got you know we've got a lot of a lot of choice, haven't we? What we don't know is how they're going to fare up, you know, how they're going to fare up and combine together, and also what you know what style of play Pivac's going to going to actually go for. You know, he mentioned about Jack Morgan, didn't he? Which is interesting, him saying that he didn't see him fitting in with the, the style. We all are unsure of what that style was, really. And I think I think the one of the biggest positives looking like forecasting will be if we can actually see the style of you know, the style of play that we're looking to yeah. to go with. And like you mentioned about the size and things like that, with his with his offloading that he that he loved at the, the Scarlets. Could this be the Six Nations for it? Well, look, I mean, let's uh, let's, let's move on to this one. Um, so we've got a couple of questions just to get through right at the end of the show. So do Wales have the firepower to beat Ireland, assuming no red card from the Irish? That's from, uh, that's from Gary Mason. Two points there, Dan. One, there will be a red card, so we'll be all right. Always <laughs> happens. Always happens. Um, but... Do we have the firepower, or more to the point, is there something to be said for for trying to kind of outsmart Ireland? Because on paper we don't have, we, we can't match them. Um, we can't match them in a, you know, in a in a physical encounter. Yeah, I, over there, it's. I mean, I, you know, I, I tend to go over there every every every, every year, and we you know we come back with a <clears throat> we come back with a a cold a cold loss. Mm. And we get beaten up. I can't see us physically do, physically matching them, and so we're going to have to do something different. Going to have to do something different, aren't we? Um, can we beat them? Yeah, we can. But I, I honestly think that it's going. It, it'll come. You know, it'll come down to like an offloading game shift. You know, shifting them around. They're they're they're, they're very well drilled, aren't they? And they know. We we know exactly how they're going to play. Then the difficulty for for us I suppose is knowing how we're going to play but equally the difficulty for Ireland is knowing they haven't got a clue how we're going to play <laughs> so if we can if we can lock that in and know what we're going to do then maybe we could catch them with something different you know and I think it would have to be speed tempo offloading Johnny McNichol will have a massive part to play won't he <laughs> getting the offload I mean you say that but at the same time is he is he going to feature if everyone's fully fit? Adams, Lewis Rees, Samet, Liam Williams. Does McNichol actually feature in there? Well, yeah, but that's. I think that I'm not saying he's better than Liam or anything like mm. that. But it all comes down to the game plan, doesn't it? We've we. I think we need to shift. We need to shift them around over there. But uh, coming back to the boarding stuff, we've got. We have to get the front row right, don't we? Just, just, just to literally keep, you know. Just to make sure that we don't get absolutely annihilated there, um, and again, then linked into the lineout. The bit, it, it's the lineout is a, is a monumental concern. I agree. Um, and when we look at when we look at the, you know, when we look at the hookers as well, I know we can't, you can't lay blame on uh, on Elias for all the throw in. It's a it's a full, you know, it's a full, it's all of them come come into it, don't they? All of the you know the second row, the props, the lifters, everything. But we've struggled, haven't we? Yep, no, no denying that. We struggled. We got Dewey Lake in there. We know, we know struggles. Um, I think, so, I think Robert, I think Roberts might well feature quite heavily. I, I still see him picking a lot for the, uh, 
for the Ireland game. But there is something to be said for would you be tempted to put him in there given that he's played his club rugby in Ireland and um, you know, and obviously is is a is a different entity to the other two options. Yeah, it's just, it's a shout, isn't it? I mean, Elias is so good around the park, isn't he? He's streets yes. of any hooker we've got around. And, and and like by a country mile, he's that good, isn't he? In the loops, he's basically a back row. And, well, uh, and, and he's a you know he's, a, and he's a, a good scrummaging hooker as well. Yeah, so he's it's all going to depend on how it how it goes in training, isn't it? With the with the props and the jumpers and the you know and everything like that. But we have seen then games from him where he's almost hit every single one. Hmm. But it's just it hasn't often happened, has it? So not to put too much pressure on him, but that's. I honestly think it will come down. It'll come down to uh, we have to win our ball, don't we? And yeah. it, it's um, it's going to a huge amount of it's going to come down to him. He's definitely going to start. And if we get that line out going and we ho- we hold some sort of control in the in the scrum, I think we can do damage behind. Yeah. No, fair enough. All right, Dan, we've got five minutes left to finish, and uh, we said there's a couple of other bits that we wanted to focus on. So. Um, obviously, as we said, Jamie Roberts set to lead the Dragons uh, for the Waratahs. Obviously, that's probably not a, not massively positive news for the Dragons, um, but at the same time, an interesting uh, an interesting move. It's been one of those careers, hasn't it? He's obviously always always kind of taken the option to to go and explore different leagues and and different surroundings. Um, I think he I think he's been he's been excellent for the Dragons um in the the two seasons he's been there and unfortunately not had as much out of him this this time around um but yeah you know obviously he's got limited time left to play so I kind of don't begrudge him don't begrudge him uh, heading out to heading out to to Sydney for um for a crack over there cuz it'd be an interesting one Yeah he clearly loves loves playing in different countries doesn't he I think he mentions it mentions it in his book didn't he? and um yeah, he'll, he'll he'll love it over there. But he's he's put a good shift in for the Dragons, isn't he? Well, I think so. I think that first season he was really really excellent, and I think that just you know having that, um, you know that insanely solid, big crash ball at, at twelve has has just helped simplify things at, at times. So, and, and you know that is going to be um, that is going to be a difficult one. Obviously, you know I don't think I don't think necessarily when you sign him age thirty three, thirty four, whatever he was, you're necessarily expecting him to be around forever anyway. But It'll be another, you know, another um, tough one for the Dragons to to recruit, but hopefully they will. The positive there, of course, is I, I think it has helped bring Nio in on during that time as well, and he's a really, you know, a really good, uh, a really good prospect for the future. And uh, while we're while we're finishing, Dan, let's take a look at uh, Richard Hibbard's career. So um, yeah, he's finally brought down brought down the curtain on a uh, an amazing career. Um, do you have any highlights that spring to mind? Any particular kind of big Richard Hibbard uh, performances, big hits that you've enjoyed watching over the years? Yeah, this, I, well, firstly, I love the guy. He's just such a committed hooker, wasn't he? And any any team he played for, you 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 watch the highlights reel and he put in monstrous tackles all over the park, just leveling players, isn't he? Game changing. Um, a momentum shift in tackles, literally left, right, and centre. I mean, like they're bone crunching, aren't they? I loved, for me, the game. You, you, I need, I need your assistance on uh, on dates and things. But against England, um, where 
he absolutely walloped uh, Joe Marler. Yeah, this, that it, was the the 2013 slam busting game. Yeah, it was. You know, it was a big game, wasn't it? We needed. I. It just felt like having him on the park. He, he they they seemed afraid, you know, and he was at. They they were looking at the hits. They're slightly on the. They're right on the cusp, aren't they? Re- refereed refereed differently at that point in time as well. Um, it, there was there was nothing to suggest they were illegal hits then. Um, but uh, yeah, they were they were monsters, weren't they? Yeah, huge huge hits, and and you know that the English boys really felt that, and he just loved it, didn't he? Yeah, that's actually my one as well. I, that hit on Marla, I seem to remember. You can hear on the ref mic, you can hear the thud um, because it was it was right near Steve Walsh as well. So. Yeah, that that was the first one that sprang to mind for me as well. Um, there's a couple of monster ones. I think possibly the same year against Australia. Um, annoyingly, it was in the lead up to an Australian try, but some absolutely oh, yeah. huge hits. Yeah, when and, we were on the line. Yeah, and um, and he put some big ones in in that um, that that Lions series uh, that that same summer as well. So yeah, that 2013 vintage Hibbard was uh, yeah was was pretty special stuff. Yeah. Really was, yeah. He's um, a great, great player, wasn't he? Yeah, great player. Loved, loved watching him play. Um, um, with or without the hair, though, Dan. Oh, it's got to, it's got to be with. Got to be with. Got to be with. It was never, never quite the same for me watching, um, watching, yeah, watching him without, without those locks. Once, once they were in, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they needed to stay. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Good stuff. Well, Dan, look, I think we did a pretty good job of that. That's that's yeah. about as uh, that's about as positive as uh, that's about as positive as we've ever well as I've ever been on this podcast. I reckon. Yeah, I thought. I think. Yeah, we we brought. Hopefully, everyone was uh, was was pretty happy with that. Oh, actually, a bit bit Come of on. a bit of a shout out as well for um, so Cowbridge had a had a crucial win um, yesterday in the cup against Skewen. Oh yeah. Um, who are do a Division One, Cowbridge Division Two, and roll result, on to yeah. yeah, roll on now. Cowbridge have got Penalta now, which is uh, another another huge game. So um, yeah, it was basically final. I think it was final kick of the game. You'll love this, Jed. Uh, <laughs> one of the boys is a prop. Um, can play a number of different positions, so I believe, and 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 took the conversion. Bear in mind, this is Division Two now, so you know decent standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, he took the conversion. I think it was way out and slotted it. Absolute scenes on the uh, on the touchline. You're right. But, that's that's de- that is definitely something that uh, that I enjoy watching. Forwards forwards taking uh, taking place. Yeah. I'm all in favour of front rower. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh yeah, perfect note to finish on, Dan. A uh, a big thanks to you for. Uh, Uh, for joining me this evening thanks to everyone for listening if you've enjoyed this episode or any of them um, for that matter please leave us a review on uh, on Apple Podcasts Spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts and uh, yeah a thanks finally to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades you can get some great quality coffee at socoffeetrades.co.uk we'll be back next week to talk rugby with you thanks for listening Podcast Network.